Thursday night is the right time to kick back and listen to the FSP Crew Show as they break down the weekend sports and prepare you for Thursday night football. 8 p.m. Eastern, just before the game starts. Jerry the Master Taylor hosts the show with Jeff the Joker Goldberg and Mike the Bookie Monster Wright. The three gentlemen debate and discuss a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of everything on the FSP Crew Show every Thursday night on blogtalkradio.com forward slash V-I-C-H-B-K, 8 p.m. Eastern. You can listen at spotonradio.webs.com after the show as it streams 24-7, 365. And listen to other informative programs as well. Information, motivation, variety. Looking for fantasy sports advice? How about informative conversation? Look no further as the Master Plan features two men that can help in both areas. Jerry, the Master Taylor, and Lance, the... Victor Gardner began the fantasy sports and politics brand with the idea of combining two of his passions into a radio show. He then learned that politics were 95% of sports. When you tune into the Fantasy Sports and Politics show every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern, Mr. FST himself, Vic Gardner, and Jerry, the Master Taylor, will go over the weekend sports, prep you for your upcoming fantasy games, and spark a debate politicians would love to hear. That's the FSP show every Saturday at 1 p.m. on blogtalkradio.com forward slash B-I-C-H-B-K. You can listen at spotonradio.web.com after the show as it streams 24-7, 365. For other informative programs as well, information, motivation, variety. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you guys can hear me because uh, we're having some technical difficulties. Uh, we've been doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that. 
a little bit of everything, trying to get this whole show up. Again, it's me, it's me, it's Mr. FSP, doing what I do because I do it for you, along with my guy, ATM Money, holding it down. Uh, JT is going to call in shortly. Uh, not sure exactly what happened here, but I'm trying to make sure that we all are able to uh, communicate. That's something that we do. That's JT right there. And he right. can you hear me, JT? Yes, I can. All right. Hopefully, <laughs> technical difficulties are over and uh, move on in the show. I, I guess it's just playing with this this microphone. You'll have to start in the show from now on, and I'll just be a call, and I don't know. But this goes into what we're talking about, going south. <laughs> we're going south since we started. <laughs> we might as well stay Good south. Good segue. Uh, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, we're talking about the NFC South, and we're going to put some stuff today as JT and I discuss uh, how the Carolina Panthers, Atlanta Falcons, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and New Orleans Saints are going to fare this upcoming football season. Now, listen, um, I've said over the past couple of years that this division has become one of the worst in the NFL. And it will not, it will not be the worst this year. In my opinion, it will not be the worst. However, however, it's going to be close. Now, granted for the first time in conferences history, they've had a repeat champion in the Carolina Panthers. Cam Newton uh, did it with Kelvin Benjamin and Olsen and whatever they call that running game with Jonathan Stewart, D'Angelo Williams, and D'Angelo Williams is now a Pittsburgh Steeler, um, the one that's healthier, actually. And I don't know why they didn't keep him over Jonathan Stewart, but Jonathan Stewart is still there. He's still injury prone. And I, I don't believe that the uh, Panthers did very well. Draft. They did okay, but not very well. But we're not going to get to them just yet. We're also going to discuss uh, the Major League Baseball All Star Game. There was a huge surge of young talent playing in the All Star Game, so much so that it was made note of during the game and and uh, after the game that a bunch of twenty somethings, early twenty somethings were starting and playing in the All-Star game. It's not an old guy's sport anymore. What I mean by that, a young baseball player goes to the minors about three or four years, right? He's drafted out of high school or college. So out of high school, you stay there for three or four years. Uh, you're going to be, what, 23? Well, the guy that comes out of college, who are pretty much the better players, um, especially at skill positions such as pitching, uh, those guys are normally like 25, 26 once they hit the big leagues. So we're going to talk about that as well. The the, uh, paradigm shift in the athletes and their ages in Major League Baseball. But first, we hit you off with some commercials. 
So we probably won't hit any more commercials today. But it's this. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is game time, and what's about to happen is this, we're about to talk about the Atlanta Falcons. Jerry can't tell me that the music is too high, because I've got it near the very end, and I'm not playing with the switch, especially when he comes on the mic, but right now, we're going to talk about the Atlanta Falcons because it is game time for them. A scout's take, an insider analyst from Sports Illustrated 2015 Fantasy Football. There's nothing wrong with Matt Ryan. He'll do the same thing pretty much every season. One year, he might throw a few more touchdowns, depending on the nature of the team, but he's a top 10 NFL quarterback, and that's not a debate. Lee, Julio Jones, and are a great, great duo. Jones is powerfully built and can run. He pretty much has everything you look for in a wideout. White is the big question. If you talk to coaches, they'll tell you how tough he is. How long can he continue to do this? He's getting older and seems to be back for injuries. He may not be the guy who's going to get over the top of defenses anymore, but he's still really solid. Now, their fourth-round pick, Justin Hardy, could easily end up being their slot guy, replacing Harry Douglas. He has a great feel for running right side. He's, not, uh, he's got terrific hands. He's a separate type of player. He's not fast, but that's not what you need to play. But he's very intriguing. I guess they're hoping Levine uh, Tololo develops a tight end but they also signed Johnny Moiaki and Jacob Tammy. Tammy's hung around for a long time doing what he does, which is getting open on third down. I think their backfield will be a committee of Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. They'll mix and match those guys. I'm not sure Coleman is a true foundation back that you can build your offense around. He's a home run hitter. Freeman is a bit more versatile. He's actually a very good runner, just smaller, and he's a very good receiver. With different skill sets, they'll both end up playing. Gone from this team is Steven Jacquez Rogers, Harry Douglas, and who really didn't matter to but Bear Pasco. Now, ladies and gentlemen, here from JTATM Money on the Atlanta Falcons. Why is this game time? All right. I think this team is going to make a comeback. Um, didn't have a good year last year. Didn't have a good year, I think, the year before. 
Um, changing, changing coaching staff, a defensive mind coach versus what they had originally there. Mindset's different, going to be running the football, more physical type of ball on both sides of the ball, meaning uh, the offensive and defensive line, more physical type of ball. That's one of the reasons why they got uh, another young running back and uh, <clears throat> no longer uh, kept Steven Jackson in the fold. Um, I'm liking the Atlanta Falcons uh, to be one of the favorites to win this division. Uh, I don't think they're, it's going to be a fight uh, with the uh, another team, and we'll, we'll mention that soon. Um, who wins the division, whether it's a repeat or if it's going to be a, what the history is, a new division winner year in, year, year out. Now, with that being said, JT, I got to be honest with you. I really got to be honest with you. They have a new head coach. Say again. Excuse me? What did you say? I said I, I hope you would be uh, truthful with me. Oh, well, of course, always and forever. Um, but a new head coach who's a defensive-minded coach who who drafted mostly players um, and hoping that a tight end – and now Tololo is a very good tight end, but he's taking the place of Gonzalez, who's been gone for a couple of years. And Matt Ryan hasn't found that comfort zone with him like he found with Tony. Tony Gonzalez was his guy. He created space for Julio and um, Roddy and even Jaquez Rogers when they went by one tight end, one uh, halfback um, because he was a threat. That's what they're missing, in my opinion, a threat at tight end. Now, they got Jacob Tanami and uh, Johnny Moyaki. Moyaki showed promise when he's with Kansas City uh, a few years back, but um, injury bogged him down. Jacob Tammy had the advantage of Peyton Manning. No longer there, no longer has that advantage. Um, when you're going with Devontae Freeman, who's a second year back, and you're going to put your hopes on uh, Tevin Coleman, who is a rookie, who's a home run hitter instead of a bruiser, that means you're going to be throwing the ball to me a lot more than running the ball, which opens up opportunities for less and less first down because that means those guys have got to catch it and they've got to beat coverage and uh, Matt Ryan can't get sacked. All three of those things were issues they had last year. People weren't catching the ball. Matt Ryan was getting sacked. And the receivers couldn't beat the coverage so much so that Harry Douglas had to be number one wide receiver for about four or five games last year because Julio and Roddy were down. Um, he's gone. Roddy is going to the last year of an extension, if I'm not mistaken. I believe he's 35, 36, which is amazing because I didn't know he was that old. I do remember him coming in with Michael Vick. And everybody thought he was a bust because he couldn't catch the ball from Michael Vick. Um, and somehow Matt Ryan comes in and he can catch everything. Not sure how that happened, but hey, whatever the case may be. So with that being said, JT, since you think these guys are going to win the, the division, let's go over their schedule. Take it away. 
want to contend for it. I didn't say win it. They're going to be one of the contenders for it. Um, here we go. Uh, uh, Monday night, September 14th, they open the season up at home, season opener, against Philadelphia. A win. They go on the road, another NFC rival, NFC East, I should say, um, team. Um, the New York Giants, they lose. Uh, back back on the road against Dallas, they lose. Home against Houston, they win. Home against Washington, they win. On the road against New Orleans, they lose. There you on go the again. Tennessee, on, on the road, yeah, but I also gave them a win against my team too, so don't go there. Um, uh, excuse me. Also, <laughs> at New Orleans, they lose. At Tennessee, they win. Home uh, for the next two games, uh, they win against Tampa Bay, and then they uh, lose against San Francisco. I mean, excuse me, home against Tampa Bay. And then they, on the road against San Francisco, they lose. Um, home the next two games, one against Indianapolis, which they lose, one against Minnesota, which they win. Back on the road against a division rival the next two games, uh, they lose against Tampa Bay. They lose against Carolina. Um, third game on the road at Jacksonville, they win that. Uh, come back home for the final two games against two division rivals. Um, they win against Carolina, and they win against New Orleans. Um, both those wins, I do believe, are going to be very important on whether they win the division or not. And their final record will be? Well, this is a, a, a division of parity. Uh, and I don't expect any one of these teams to get over 10 wins. That's why I'm giving the Atlanta Falcons 9-7. and seven. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Okay. I think they'll be a little bit above 9-7. and seven. Not much more. 10-6, and six maybe. But, but... I disagree with some of your your uh, wins and losses. Of course, you know, I disagree with you on them on the Redskins. I mean, you just keep tearing my team down. But that's okay because after September 13th, I'm going to be $200 richer because you're supposed to pay my – you're going to pay my entry fee for uh, ESPN because I already won that one. Yes, I keep telling you the same thing over and over. Until, and I'm not convinced oh I was God. on board when he first got in, but until he proves that he can play the position or come close to what he was doing when he first got into the league, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a disbeliever. And I'll be a disbeliever until he proves me different. And he hasn't since, it, since, since he, his head got so big uh, when he was the uh, rookie of the year. That he 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 uh, uh, hasn't. No matter how hard he's tried, and I'm talking about RG three or Robert Griffin the third, whatever way you want to call him, I call him um, a bus up until this point. So Whoa. we'll see what happens. Whoa! Wash your mouth out with soap on that one. Okay, listen. That dread that dread four letter word you don't want to hear about your quarterback, but it's there. This isn't about the Redskins, though. We're talking about the Atlanta Falcons and the Dirty South. Of course, okay. you want to steer the conversation down that path because you're a sore loser about the women's 
soccer team, how the U.S. women's soccer team defeated your German team so handily, by the way. But it's okay. Um, it's okay. Let's let's move on because let's all my on. leagues are paid. All my leagues are paid except for that one. I'm just waiting on somebody to pay that one. Well, I'm happy. All right. I'm happy. I'm happy for you. <laughs> I am extremely happy for you, Mr. FSP. There you go. All right. At least you got the title, right? Appreciate it. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go to another team right, real quick, only because, again, I called it last year about a team changing their dynamics and changing their game plan. I was right. Jerry told me I was crazy, but of course I wasn't. And I'm doing it again. It's the football acumen that I have. Um, Listen. Oh, boy. When you see a team. What? When you see a team change over and overhaul their offense, get rid of their best player, their best player next to their quarterback, they're not always strapped. Let's go. We're going to talk about. Ain't a room for hesitation up in here. The New Orleans Saints. It's time to leave it on the field. Because it's game time. It's time to make your hard work pay off. Make your mom and dad proud. That's what Drew Brees said. Pay the price. Let's go. Step up and get it done, son. You go hard or you go home. They're going to have to. To the last. Bring it all day, every play. Because you know your boys are going to put on the line for you. They got your back, so you better have theirs. This is about I don't team. know. It's about pride. It's about who's the hungriest. So what's it going to be, man? You going to leave it on the field, or you going to leave it inside? You going to leave it or something in your tank, or you going to do what champions do? Leave nothing. Leave nothing. Leave nothing. Now, fortunately, ladies and gentlemen, what's going to happen with... I did. I did. What's going to happen with the New Orleans Saints is... They, they, they left everything everywhere, everywhere. But according to this Sports Illustrated scout insider analyst person, the Saints are changing a little bit. Drew Brees had ne- uh, never had a gun, but he has always been an over-the-top thrower with explosive lower body movement. I didn't think he looked quite the same last year. I think Sean Payton is well aware of that, and they're going to morph into a little bit more of a running team. It's not as if Breeze is never going to throw it, but you might see a slight shift. It's why they re-signed Mark Ingram. It's why they signed C.J. Spiller. In the backfield, it starts with Ingram, a big back with lighter feet than you think. I think he'll have 250 carries if all goes according to plan. Their offense is going to have a slight tweak to it and he's going to fit in much more. Spiller will be used like Reggie Bush as when New Orleans had him a few years ago. Excuse me, Bush, when he was in there, carried the ball 140 to 150 times a year. Marquise Colson is now primarily an inside player, and he's still effective in that role. They're really counting on Brandon Cooks, who looked like he was coming on and then got hurt last year, to be their explosive premier player. 
He's quick, and you can line him up all over. Another second-year guy they're counting on is Brandon Coleman. He's six six, about two twenty. He's got. Uh, he's going to run pe- run by people, but they're looking for him to work the middle of the field, be a hybrid receiver, tight end, and move the chains. With Jimmy Graham gone, one of Jerry's top twenty-five, Josh Hill, and Benjamin Watson are the two guys at tight end. But no one's going to catch seventy balls. That's not the way they're going to use the position now. I want you to understand something, ladies and gentlemen. I made my predictions before I even picked up this magazine. I saw it. I predicted it. I called it. And uh, Insider feels the same way that I feel. You bring in C.J. Spiller. You re-sign Mark Ingram. You let Jimmy Graham go. Drew Brees didn't have one of his best years. You trade away a young wide receiver talent for pretty much nothing. And a guy that was not mentioned is uh, Al Toon, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Excuse me. Nick Toon, Al Toon's son. That, that, that kid showed up last year when, you know, there wasn't much to show. But they're not, they're not going to be putting up numbers throwing-wise. Mark Ingram... Sharing the ball with C.J. Spiller tells me they're going to pound the rock. Mark Ingram's good. Young, thirsty back out of Alabama. Not as big as Eddie Lacy, but they both have similar running styles. And you mix in C.J. Spiller. When healthy, C.J. Spiller is a starter in this league. So we'll see what happens with New Orleans Saints. J.T., now I, I've talked I about to. this time. I've talked about it time and time again, and uh, I think you know. Last year you laughed at me about San Francisco. What are you going to do this year when I'm talking about New Orleans? I don't have to laugh. I mean, it's obvious what they're going to do. And Sean Payton, he came out of his mouth. They're going to go back to what what the formula they had when they won the, the year they won the Super Bowl, which is running the football more. Uh, and get away from being so pass-happy. And one of the things they did, they, they wanted to get a center, a solid center from a physical team that ran the football, which was the Seattle Seahawks, and they had to give up Jimmy Graham to do it. So they did that. Um, they're going to run football more. Now, that's not to say that Drew Brees and his core receivers, whether it's tight end, wide receiver, or uh, somebody coming out of the backfield, isn't going to benefit from the passing game. But their core value right now is to run the football more effectively than they have since they won the Super Bowl. And it, it's, it's, I've been saying this for the last two years, at least since Seattle won the Super Bowl. It's a copycat league. The formula for Seattle, physical defense, run the football effectively and make, and have play action when, when, um, when it's necessary. But the formula is try to get a sound defense, effective run game, which in turn opens up the passing game. And a lot of teams are steadily going that route. Um, more and more teams. And, or some teams are coming back, in, in, like the uh, New Orleans Saints, to realize that 
the what they did to win the Super Bowl is what they need to do to try to get back there. Um, some of these teams think that they, when they have a, a level of success, they can go away from the formula and get a little pass happy. Um, uh, and let me put it this way. And it's not just the Saints who for the last few years have gotten pass happy. If you notice, when Rex Ryan was with, with, with the Jets, when Mark Sanchez, excuse me, Mark Sanchez's first two years with the Jets, they had a very good defense and they ran the football. Well, those two first two years of success decided, well, since we got a, a good running game and since we have a good defense, let's open up the passing game and, and pass a little bit more, uh, which when they had Mark Sanchez wasn't too successful. Um, they're going back, or they have gone back since the failed two years of Sanchez and Sanchez has moved on. Rex Ryan has moved on. They have Terry Bowles there, which is a defensive um, coach and they have a strong defense and they're going to run the football and pass when they need to. That's the formula. That's the, that's the growing trend now that uh, most teams, uh, uh, most teams are going to do unless they have a prolific pass offense and, and, and with some teams, do and some teams don't, but the ones that uh, on the uh, don't have a top quarterback like a uh, uh, Roethlisberger, like a Tom Brady, like an Aaron Rodgers or Peyton Manning, have a quarterback like Robert Griffin III or somebody out of, out of Houston or um, somebody out of Cincinnati. They need to run the football and play good defense. And that's what I think the Saints are going to do. I think they're going to not have a good season, but good enough to build on uh, going into next year. Well, I mean, I'm not going to debate you because I think you're right. But it's interesting how you uh, brought up your your first love, the Jets. I just want to point that out. But when you're wrong, I'm trying to give you an example of 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 a team, I know. two examples, like Jerry. I know two teams. I know, yeah, but you don't have to give me. A, you don't have to give me a backhanded slap like that. So don't even go there. <laughs> no, don't even go there and try to downplay listen. it. And, and <laughs> don't try to downplay it. Come on, listen. I gave listen. you. I gave you two examples of a coaching staff uh, getting above themselves and realizing they needed to go back to, to the basics of what they do best. And both of them happen to be your teams, but that's not here nor there. Let's go to the New Orleans Saints record. Now, again, you said they're not going to be a good team. I, I can agree with you on that. Um, but you're saying they're going to have something to build off of. If you believe that Atlanta is going to be nine and seven and in contention for the division title, what can New Orleans build off of? What type of record can they build off of for next year that you're going to give them? So let's let's go over these games. You know, at Arizona first for, to open up the season is not a good way to start off uh, a, a paradigm shift. But go ahead. Well, I mean, you know, I'm looking at their schedule, and and it's, it's not who you play, and but who you when you play them, and it seems like no matter where where they turn, they're going to have rough go at it. Starting off at the beginning of the season in in Tempe at, against the Arizona Cardinals, which they lose. A home against the Tampa Bay, they're going to 
Um, they, they go against the division rival in Carolina. They're not good on the road. They lose against Carolina. They come back home against the division NFC division winner of last year, the Dallas Cowboys, and they lose that. They go on the road again. Like I said, they're not too good. Another NFC East opponent, uh, they lose that. They come home against Atlanta. They win that. Go on the road again against Indianapolis. They lose that. Come home for the next two, uh, uh, let me see, next two home games, I do believe it is. Uh, yes, next two home games, against uh, one against the Giants, which they win. The other one against Tennessee with a rookie quarterback. I would, I think they win that also. Go on the road. I know they're not good Here on the go. road, but I don't think – I don't think this Here team can win, against, uh, uh, can win against the New Orleans Saints. Let me put it this way. Hold on. Hold on. Say you huffing and puffing. <laughs> I didn't say anything. You didn't say anything. You just interrupted me, but you didn't say anything. Okay. I didn't interrupt um, this you, is, but go ahead. This, is, this, is, this was a tough go. And, and usually when I, when I have a uh, – uh, um, a game that's up in the air, whether it can go one way or the other. I look at the quarterback. That's the key. That's the one that's going to make the plays when it's necessary. And that's what, what uh, usually a lot of plays that, that break down, uh, um, fall back on the quarterback. Against Washington on the road, um, I think the better quarterback, quite naturally, is Drew Brees, and I think they, win, they about win me. No, excuse me. Uh, I think they lose that. I think they lose that. I got it at a loss. That's a big now I surprise you. Listen, I have it at a loss. I have him at a loss at uh, Houston. I have him winning at home against Carolina. I have him losing on the road against Tampa Bay, which they have always had fits against Tampa Bay on the road in Tampa. I have him on uh, the next two next two games, winning against Detroit, winning against Jacksonville, and their division rival on the road in Atlanta. I have him losing, which gives them a record of seven and nine. So you huffing and puffing about me thinking you no. thinking that I was going to yes, don't even go there. You would have thought I was going to give you a loss against, uh, with New Orleans against Washington, and I gave them a, a a loss, and Washington winning that game. So it's not just a bias against Washington Redskins. I give you objectivity in my analysis, not not subjectivity, and no hate against Washington. Whatever. For a second, we lost you. At least I lost you. I don't know if you lost me, but uh, no, I, I was like, this dude's Mike went out on him in the down my skins, got giving him some okay. karma. So, uh, but we heard. I, I got. I got of it. Um, and you know, seven and nine is is about right. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe uh six and ten, picking high. In the draft this year, because of who's going to probably be low end of the draft anyway, so they'll have two uh, picks, one very high and early, and uh, Seattle be in the higher place, if not 31, 32, uh, yet again. Um, but you get Max Unger, and that was key. I- I'm glad you you pointed that out. You bring Max Unger in a a grizzled vet um, who was the head of that offensive line in Seattle yep. and part of the yep. reason why Marshawn Lynch had running lanes and Russell Wilson was protected. Now, they tried to do it a couple years ago when they brought in uh, Cleveland's center, 
who then tore his MCL or MCL or something like the second practice. I think I believe his last name was Matt. I can't remember, but uh, uh, Sean Payton tried to do this a couple years ago, but it just didn't work because the guy got injured. So when you bring in Max Unger, but you trade away your biggest weapon in Jimmy Graham, you know, it's kind of tough. And Drew Brees is getting older and they haven't drafted his replacement. You know, I know Drew is and I know he has a, a, a good arm and he makes smart decisions, but expecting anything more than a salvageable season out of the New Orleans Saints, in my opinion. Um, and I don't think they can salvage it. I, I think it's going to be just the year after they won the awful um, um, concern job of, of team after winning the Super Bowl. Uh, with that being said, that being said, um, six is is very favorable in my opinion for New Orleans. I think it's better than what this next team we're going to talk about is going to be. And I know JT is so in love with the team. Maybe I don't not. know if it's me. I don't know if it's me or you, but uh, I'm. The story you are about to see is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. So, the names are true. Well, the story. Names are different. We're talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Quite sure. Third. And then and then before. And uh my man Levy. He's gonna look like a bad hire. I'm telling you he's gonna look like a bad hire because his first quarterback he wanted. And Josh McCown, he got his second quarterback he wanted in Jameis Winston. Levy, build the defense, run the ball, take the ball out of this young guy's hands. But this also can be a sign that the organization has decided, well, as far as Jameis goes, that's how far Levy goes. So they're going to give Jameis probably two maybe three years, and if he doesn't develop, which I think he will, he's out the door, and so is Lovey. But in Jameis Winston, I see a guy that's going to have highs and lows. He has positive NFL traits, but I think he'll end up throwing a lot of picks as a rookie, and most rookies do that anyway. Their offensive line could be uh, porous, so he's going to be operating under duress a lot. He's kind of a slow twitch kid. He's uh, so he to throw the ball up. That's what he does. Winston does have two big wideouts to work with, given Tampa Bay's relative insustainable uh, instability at quarterback last season. Mike Evans had a very good rookie year, 
and he caught a bunch of touchdowns versus the Redskins, which sucked. But hey, he's a beast. He's a big straight line guy with excellent ball skills and strong hands. Okay, look, 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 Houston, you got a problem. But uh, I thought Vincent Jackson started to slow down. He didn't move quite as well on film. Was it an off year or at 32 is age catching up to him? That's impossible to know at this point. Has not been the same guy. Austin Severian Jenkins, Jerry's new man crush, who, by the way, is a tight end. And when Jerry likes a tight end, they get hurt and disappear. Just put it out there. Is pretty gift and can be a quality tight end. He's a big with good movement uh, who can block. They're hoping that he, Winston Evans, grow together. Their running game is a bit of a question mark. Now, I disagree with this next statement because I'm not going to say don't do it. I'm going to say wait on it. But this insider says don't draft Doug Martin. He's done there. Charles Sims is a good runner. Nothing more. He's tall, a little upright, and he's not a uh, laterally agile as you would like. His claim to f- is that he's a better receiver. There have been times Bobby Rainey has looked good. There have been times Mike James has looked good. When you're a bad team, you have a lot of competition for sports, for spots. They would like Sims to be their main guy, but they have uh, they have to go through a camp to find out if they have a lead back or if they're going to play two or three guys. Now, on the analysis of this team, I can agree Charles Sims is going to eat into a lot of Doug Martin's time. I wouldn't draft him early at all. He's going to be in competition all camp long, and if he can stay healthy, he has a good shot of winning the job. But but can he sustain his health throughout the season is the problem with the muscle hamster, say the hamstring hamster. And Doug Martin is is a big threat. But uh, excuse me, Charles Sims is definitely another threat. And Bobby has shown that he can handle the mail, um, but not on a 16-game basis. Mike James as well. That's a recipe for disaster when you have four running backs that pretty much play the same way and none of them can stay healthy. But has talent on the outside. Talent on the outside. So, with that being said, Jay, take over with the schedule and your thoughts on Tampa Bay. It's going to be a long year. Rookie quarterback, um, trying to uh, get, acclimate him to the uh, NFL. Although it says that he's taken to the playbook uh, a lot quicker than most people uh, in the organization. I thought he would. Uh, he's a gym rat. He wants to learn everything all, and all the nuances of the um, of the playbook. Um, but I got to believe it's a rookie quarterback on a team that's got some weapons um, and, and a, uh, uh, the possibility of upsetting people at times. I think it's they're going to be 
a little better. They're going to show some progress, but not enough progress to make a difference in the division. Uh, with that being said, uh, we start the season off at home against his uh, uh, number two pick, uh, maybe, if they sign a uh, contract with uh, Marcus Mariota uh, against Tennessee, and, and they win their home opener. Um, those winning feelings quickly gets dashed as the next two games are on the road, one against their division rival New Orleans Saints. They lose that. The other one, they go against uh, um, J.J. Watt and company at Houston. They lose that. They come up against First their time other time division Excuse me? No, I'm sorry. Uh, I lost you for a second. I didn't know going on, but go ahead. Okay. Uh, like I said, they lose against uh, New Orleans. They lose on the road against the Houston Texans. They uh, also lose against their division rival at home against the Carolina Panthers. They, uh, uh, the next home game is against Jacksonville. Could be up in the air, but because uh, they're at home, I'll, I'll give them a win. Um, but it could easily be a loss against Jacksonville because they're an improving team. Um, then they have a bye week, a bye week six. They come back off of that, and they go to Washington, which they lose that game against Washington. Thank no you. comment? No comment? Okay, okay. Uh, no, no, I said thank you. I said thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, at Atlanta uh, against another division rival. Um, they lose that. So the la the first three games that they play against their division rivals. Dude, we keep going in and out. This is not good radio. Okay. Um, well, how how do I how do I sound now? Uh, go ahead, go ahead. I don't know. Okay. Your mic keeps going let, in and out. Let me know when I go out. Maybe I'm talking too loud and it 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 breaks or whatever. Who who knows? Um, they go against the Giants. They lose that game. They go against the um, Dallas Cowboys at home. They lose that. They go on the road against Philadelphia and Indianapolis, and they lose both games. They come home against their division rivals, Atlanta Falcons and the New Orleans Saints in back-to-back -back weeks. And I, I say they lose I – mean, excuse me, I say they win both of those games. They go back on the road against the St. Louis Rams – Tough defense, uh, and especially in St. Louis. I think they lose that one. They come home against the Chicago Bears. Chicago's not that good. I think they can, they can squeeze out their last win of the season because when they go against Carolina on the road, they lose that, which gives them a record of 5-11. and 11. Now, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. Or, you know, maybe 6-10, and 5-11, that – Sounds about right to me. Um, and it's, uh, ladies and gentlemen, again, I'm predicating this all on um, the fact that they don't have a strong running game with a rookie quarterback, and they have a lot of trees that he can throw to. But when you don't have a good running game, those trees can get chopped down real easily, really easily. So with that being said, I can agree with you, Jay. 11 you know, maybe even and 12 uh, is a decent record for a rookie quarterback that is prone to make him in college. Wanted in college. What happened in the pros when you get somebody like Dick LeBeau, who's uh, the defensive coordinator 
for a different team now. Um, but when you get a guy like him that's a student of the game for so many years that can pretty much trick that quarterback and get their way, you never know. Um, with that being said, I said it earlier, Levy is going to have another bad year and they're going to start questioning, you know, his hire. Is he the guy for the job? You know, and that's what I'm telling you. Tampa Bay's defense will be okay, but they're going to be on the field a lot, a lot, which is not good. So we'll see what happens with the Buccaneers. Okay. Now, typically, typically, ladies and gentlemen, when we get to the team that I think is going to uh, win the division, I play a certain bit of music. And Jerry knows the music that I'm going to play because I love playing this music when it's time to do a game of Thrones. Who's going to win this division, in my opinion, for a third year in a row? I believe it's going to be the Carolina Panthers. I do agree with Jerry that Atlanta is going to be fighting them for it. Um, but not at nine and seven. I think these teams are going to be better, especially given the fact that Cam Newton has an additional tall wide receiver. That means he has three tall weapons. Olsen, Benjamin, and the newly drafted. Um, oh my goodness. Can we get this? Dennis. Okay. I see is their running game. I'm going to be honest. With the analysts, very interesting point. Okay, I'm saying is Cam Newton is it a interesting point in his career? He is, or for improvement, he's very erratic. He still misses too many throws. He's big, gifted, so he also makes spectacular plays. One who is viewed as a higher-level quarterback should not be a weak player, and Newton still is. When Jonathan Stewart, which has been rare, but he has done, uh, he has been down the stretch of last year. He's a very good runner, but they recognize that they need a second back with him, and they drafted. Cameron Artis Payne in the fifth round, which I think is way too late to get somebody that's going to be building your building blocks um, at the running position, running back position. He's not as good as Stewart. Al is similar. They're both short bowling ball type players. If Stewart is healthy, he'll get the bulk of the carries. Last the ball at least 20 times in four of his last six games. That's what they want. If he's not healthy, Artis Payne has a much better skill set for what they do than any of their other backups. Kelvin Benjamin's rookie season was something solid to grow on. He's a big kid who moves a little better than Mike Evans does. Benjamin has a lot to learn about route running, which should be happening this offseason. They traded up to draft Devin Funches in the second round. 
it's a good move because when you have Newton, you need wideouts with a big catching radius. They're counting on Philly Brown to provide speed, the speed element. They really like Greg Olson. You don't think of him as being highly athletic, but I've seen him beat corners when he split out. I would expect similar production from him this season. Now, again, you move up in the second round to give Devin Funches, but you wait to the fifth round to get someone that's ultimately going to surplant Jonathan Stewart. There were some decent running backs in this in this draft, like uh, uh, John uh, Adai, uh, Ajay. I'm sorry, from uh, Boise went like late in the fifth or sixth round to Miami, and I think he could have came in and done a good job for uh, for for Carolina. Now Cameron Artis Payne isn't bad, but JT, you got to explain to me. Why wait so long to get a running back when you're going to pair him uh, with a very similar back who's not healthy and move up to get a, a he's a very good wide receiver, very tall, rangy wide receiver. But why do that when you have a, a need at, at running back? Talk to me, JT. Well, let me put it this way. I think this guy's a sleeper. Um, Jonathan Stewart hasn't shown to be a um, a a reliable back. Um, he's missed quite a few games over the last few seasons, uh, and they thought they could get a, a value pick, picking when they did, when they picked up Curtis Artis Payne. So uh, a lot of people aren't talking about this kid, but um, I think that, He's listed second on the depth chart behind Jonathan Stewart. And that's saying something, um, seeing that they picked him a little later than um, some of the big name running backs that he's listed right now as second behind Stewart. And with a clear path, in my opinion, of being the main back uh, if and when Jonathan Stewart goes down. But that being said, um, uh, let me go into the schedule if you uh, want me to, and then we can go from there. Of course. Go right ahead. Okay. Okay. With that being said, the, the schedule is as it, as it uh, comes out right now. They open up a game at Jacksonville, um, and if they don't watch it, they'll uh, uh, get attacked by an improving Jacksonville team, and they'll lose that game. But I think they'll win it. Um, they go against Houston at home. I think they win against Houston. Uh, they go against uh, uh, New Orleans at home again. I think they win that. On the road against Tampa Bay, they win that. On the road again against Seattle Seahawks, nobody wins in Seattle, even though Carolina. Excuse I got me? a question. Yeah. I got a question. Do you, do you think their bye week, week five, is a bad thing? Week five, early. Anytime you have a bye week, in my opinion, any anytime you have a bye week, four, five, and six, it's a bad thing for teams because then they have a long stretch and they don't have a chance if the guys get nicked up, especially key guys get nicked up, um, uh, early in the bye week or early in the season. So if you have a bye week four, five, six, it's definitely not a good thing. Middle of the season is fine, 
quite naturally later in the season um uh, uh it, it's better because then you have established exactly where you're at and where you're going and, and it it's i wouldn't think it'd be as critical but early week buys you got a long way to go um after that bye week so they bye week i'm sorry about that after they win at tampa uh they uh, go on a bye week which is bye week five then they go up against the seattle seahawks in seattle they do play Seattle very well, but I think they're going to lose that. They come back home for three more games. They win against Philadelphia. They lose against Indianapolis on a Monday night in November. They lose against Green Bay. This, that's all home games for them. Then they go back on the road at Tennessee. They win that. They come back home. They win a the game against Washington. They lose at Dallas on a, on a uh, I think that's Thursday, which is, uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's uh, um, um, uh, Thanksgiving Thanksgiving Day game. Uh, then they go back and play New New Orleans at New Orleans. They lose that. They play uh, uh, the next game at home and went against Atlanta. They go on the road at New York, the Giants, and they lose that game. Um, they lose at Atlanta and wind up uh, playing their last division rival which would be the Tampa Bay um, Buccaneers at home, and they win that, giving them a grand total of nine wins, seven losses. Okay, so if you said they're going to lose both games to Atlanta, how do you give no. them the division and not Atlanta? Hold on a minute. Hold on. Let me, let me look at this again. Uh, Please do. Because I think you just said they're going to lose two games to Atlanta. And no, 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 listen to what I'm saying, because I have it written right here. Okay. I, I go to week 13. They're at New Orleans. They lose that week 14. Mm-hmm. They play home against they play home against Atlanta and they win that. Went okay. week 15 at New York, which is the Giants. They lose that game at Atlanta. They lose that game. And then they win the last game, which is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So they split with Atlanta. Okay, if you're giving them both nine and seven, and you're saying that Atlanta's going to be contention, obviously you're saying Carolina's going to win. What's the tiebreaker for these two? Because tie break- nine and seven is nine and seven. Tiebreaker. Tie. Yeah. Well, tiebreaker would be the, the, the next. Tie, excuse me. The next tiebreaker, I think, is um, if division, head, head division is, record. Is, division division record. Yes. So. Whoever has it, and I, and I didn't look at it, but whoever has a better division record is, is going to win a division. Based upon what you said, that's going to be a tie right. well. So, I mean, okay. what is distinguishing Carolina? I think the next one is the common, common opponents, if I'm not mistaken. So, Something like that. But oh, what I'm saying is that right. it's going to it's going to go down those two. So um, it's going, to, in my opinion, it's going to go down to those two, and uh, it's going to be key. It's going to be very important for both teams to, uh, especially the division games, and they're out out of division games because it may come down to that. Okay. Well, I can agree that Carolina's going to win the division. I think they're going to be maybe 10 and 6, uh 11 and 5. Um 
again, Atlanta or um, Carolina will win the division, but I think it'll be a three-peat for um, the Panthers. Now, that's not to say that Atlanta can't make the playoffs because I think they're going to make the playoffs. I honestly think it's going to come down to one team out of the East, two teams out of the West, two teams out of uh, the South, and a team out of the North. It might even be two teams out of the North, but um, that would mean that the team I have out of the West isn't going to come out of the West, but we'll we'll get to that next week. We wrap up um, our yearly divisional breakdown. Uh, so that completes the NFC South. Now, JT has all this stuff written down somewhere. Um, we didn't post that, but we did post all of his quarterback ratings. If you go to spotonradios.com, click on the Fantasy Foxhole, and you're going to see JT's top 25 quarterback rankings along with tight ends. And if you noticed, like I noticed, and I don't know if Jerry noticed it because he compiled it, but the quarterbacks of the NFC South are near the bottom of his 25. His tight end or the tight ends from the NFC South near the bottom. So wrong. Wrong. Okay. One out of eight. One out of eight. Okay. The majority. How about that? The bulk. Masses. The millions. Millions of Jerry's tight ends <laughs> are from the South are at the bottom. So, you know, it, it is what it is. I don't think it's going to be a good fantasy year for certain positions out of the South, namely quarterback. But you never know in this game. You never know. Yep. And I believe I believe Jay is going to go over wide receivers this upcoming Sunday. Uh, but correct. I let him promo that. Okay, wide receivers, top twenty-five receivers, and yep. uh, hopefully he'll get them to me in short order, and we'll put them up on the website. That's spotonradios.com. If you have your own rankings. If you have your own thoughts, you can always email us. There's two email addresses we can do now. You can go to fantasy sports and politics at spotradios.com or you can send it to Esther Plan Crew Show at spotonradios.com. Either or send some emails. We'll love to hear from you. I might even put up fan comparisons. Now, another thing I wanted to point out to you guys is we're going to do a mock draft. It's going to possibly be 10 of us. We're going to sit down, do a mock draft, and we're going to post it. Why we pick certain players in certain uh, positions and 
the fantasy outlook for them. Now, JT's in full swing with his uh, individual offensive players. Well, after next week, uh, after we finish up the NFC West, I will begin breaking down your IDPs, individual defensive players. And I'm going to talk about position by position. So your defensive linemen, your DBs, your linebackers, and your team defenses. So get ready for that as we rev up for August, which means mini camps coming. Matter of fact, mini camps start next week for a lot of teams, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, then the Hall of Fame game. First Saturday, well, the game is Saturday, but the Hall of Fame is, is excuse me, the game is Sunday, but the uh, Hall of Fame induction ceremony is Saturday, the first Saturday of August. So that ought to be interesting because it seems like we were just celebrating Deflate Gate champions uh, just the other day, but hey, it is what it is. Um, football's back, ladies and gentlemen, and I promise you, you're going to enjoy listening to us give you advice. And if you listen to our advice, you will win. I guarantee. Hopefully you don't play me or JT, but we'll see. All right, JT. Um, anything you want to say before we move on to another subject matter? Um, not at this time. All right. Well, what I'm going to do... You have something that you want to uh, talk about? Hopefully it's not hopefully it's not UFC. Well, we can talk about UFC. Matter of fact, we will talk about UFC because you were wrong yet again. Well, no, you weren't wrong. You weren't wrong. You were slightly misguided in in your analysis of, of UFC last week. And it turns out that, that and I was slightly wrong too. I was slightly wrong Thank too. Thank you. But it Thank turns you. out. But it turns out that that happened to be one of the best and bloodiest cards in UFC history. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, Major League Baseball and the uh, surge in the young athlete coming into the MLB and, you know, being in the All-Star game and stuff like that. But we'll do that after we take a break. So stick and stay with me. It's your boy FSP along with JT ATM Money. You're listening to Fantasy Sports and Politics live here on a Saturday afternoon on Blog Talk Radio. You can always catch a stream at 24-7-365 over at spotonradios.webs. I mean, excuse me, spotonradios.com. All right, we're going to take a break and we'll be back in a minute. Thursday night is the right time to kick back and listen to the FSP Crew Show as they break down the weekend sports and prepare you for Thursday night football. 8 p.m. Eastern, just before the game starts, Jerry the Master Taylor hosts the show with Jeff the Joker Goldberg and Mike the Bookie Monster Wright. The three gentlemen debate and discuss a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of everything on the FSP Crew Show every Thursday night on blogtalkradio.com forward slash V-I-C-H-B-K, 8 p.m. Eastern. You can listen at spotonradio.webs.com after the show as it streams 24-7, 365, and listen to other informative programs 
programs as well. Information, motivation, variety. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. It's me, Mr. FSP. Now, before we jump into this this, uh, breakdown, I want to put this out there. We had someone in the chat room by the name of Woodman who's trying to get us to go to a site to uh to bet and um which is fine but here's what he put he uh, he says go to uh get some free bitcoin and bet on the panthers then this is when we we're talking about the panthers winning the division as well as jerry's prediction he says put it in writing show your prediction and the outcome so you've been challenged jt you have been challenged Put it in writing. We'll post that. Hey, it's in the chat room. It's right there. Uh, So what we'll do is if you want to put it up there, we'll put it on the website. Matter of fact, if you want to give me all of your for every team that in the fantasy foxhole as well, and uh, we'll see how right you are. But would man writing show your prediction outcome okay jt the, the gauntlet has been dropped oh and i believe we got a call oh i think i know who this is call from the 240 welcome to fantasy sports and politics how you doing what's up what's up jer what's up my man how you been this is my this is my cousin mikhail everybody uh how you doing just asked me that. I said, I'm good. How you doing? Damn. <laughs> well, why you got to come off as combative, dude? I'm just I'm trying to make a segue here. I'm just trying to make a segue. Well, anyway, we're going to welcome to the hey, show. Victor, 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 send me that information. Okay, you're not on the, uh, you're not on the chat? No, no, I'm not. Send me that information. No, I'm not on the chat. Well, really, all he, dude is just telling you to to post your stuff. That's all he's saying. He wants people to his site to bet, uh, which is fun. Going to promote it because he's not coming on the air, but uh, that's what he was doing. Um, it was just a challenge out thrown out your way. All right. So, with that being said, let's talk about uh, the youth movement in baseball. And you came in at the tail end, Mike, because we just finished talking about the uh, NFC South. Uh, we're on to two topics, the first being the youth movement in uh, the MLB and UFC card, which happened to be one of the blessed and uh, more exciting cards here. I said it was going to be somewhat boring fight. I was wrong. JT said that there's only going to be one good fight. He was wrong. So uh, we're both here going to be contrite and humbled and uh, talk about it after we do MLB baseball. Did you get a chance to um, check out the, the the game or the home run derby? Did you just check out uh, highlights or anything like that? Yeah, I, I, I checked it out. I checked out the highlights, and, uh, you know, the good people of the DMV was a little hurt that their little boyfriend ain't, you know, he ain't do too well. It's a certain dude that, that got a name that's like a fish. 
like a <laughs> well you know okay and that's that's a good question i mean that's a way to bring this in all right jt we've said it time and time again that mike trout is the goody good guy and bryce harper is the quote-unquote bad boy uh, of this era of baseball and both of which are very young and could be a catalyst for a resurgence of baseball in the youth movement. Um, but they're not the only two. You know, you've got pitchers that are uh, like Archer from Tampa Bay uh, and some other guys coming in and just blowing folks away. Tell me a little bit about, uh, as Mike said, you got Trout and, and Harper, but who else is out there that's under like 23, 25-ish that's just coming into the league and taking it by storm. Well, you got Carlos Carrasco from the Houston um, um, uh, uh, Astros. You have uh, Chris Bryant uh, from the um, Chicago um, Cubs, Cubs. Uh, which has a yeah vast array of um, players that are either very in their early 20s or mid-20s. I think the oldest player uh, on that team uh, or old skill players, um, Anthony Rizzo, which he's around 30. So there's a lot of guys, um, and I, I know I'm leaving someone out, um, that are uh, up and coming, that are going to make a name for themselves or right now have made for themselves. Uh, and uh, uh, it seems like uh, a lot of guys – have come up this year and, and uh, performed, whether it's um, when they first come up, took them a while to get acclimated before they just started to uh, perform. Um, but um, in different positions, it doesn't seem like it's one position, whether it's a, a middle infielder or a shortstop or a second baseman. Uh, there's third baseman, Mikel Franco from Philly. That's a very good player. There's another guy, um, um, and I'm trying to think of his name. Um, he's got a – Crazy name from um, Chicago. He just came up. Swassenberger, I think he's a catcher. Uh, he's got a lot, a lot, a lot of offense, that, uh, um, but uh, lacks in um, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, a defense, I should say. Uh, there's another guy from uh, Rodney Odor, I think his name is, or something like that, from um, uh, I think he's an outfielder and infielder. Uh, that's a um, – a uh, very good player that's playing for the um, uh, the Texas Rangers. Um, there's another guy. Uh, there's quite a few guys. There's so many guys out there right now. Um, unless you have a complete list in front of you, um, then uh, I'm, I know I'm missing somebody. But there's quite a few guys, yeah. and there's quite a few guys that have been called up uh, early uh, uh, to make a difference on their team. I'll tell you something, and uh, I mean, I'm not sure how much baseball Mike watches, but I know you watch a little bit, um, JT. The move to take Houston out of the NL and put them in the AL has benefited them greatly. Why? Because they have a lot of young talent. Uh, Kelvin Correa, I believe he's a shortstop. The kid can hit, and he plays very good – Carlos, thank you. Carlos Correa. Yeah. That, whatever. He can hit and he can play defense. 
he's made several web gems and 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 uh, possible gold glove contender if he uh, continues at a rookie, you know. And then you look at Dallas Kuchel, the pitcher for Houston, who was, I believe, the starting pitcher for the All-Star game. You know, Houston was a laughing stock for a while after the, the uh, Killer Bees left. You know, Bezio Bagwell. No, no, because they have a killer young pitching staff. They play good defense. They're starting to hit. Evan Gaddis is probably, I think, the oldest guy on the team who is uh, the, the catcher slash first baseman, and he's like early 30s, you know? So there's a great nucleus of players out there that can uh, uh, bust out, for lack of a better term, in Houston. But that seemingly has spread all over. Now, Mike, you brought up Mike Trout. I also noticed that Albert Pujols has had a resurgence uh, this year, leading the majors in in home runs. Now, the old and the new, but you have two power hitters that can also hit for average playing on the same team in L.A., but there's nothing else around them. You know, pitching staff is so-so, fielding is so-so, and the hitters are so-so. But you look at the Washington Nationals. Real quick, Mike, you have Ian Desmond. You got Bryce Harper. I don't know what happened to Gio Gonzalez this year. Matt Scherzer came in. He's a rocket arm type guy, and he plays very, very consistently. Uh, um, they paid all that money to Strasburg, and he's starting to flame out just a little bit. You know, you got Carlos Ramos catching and stuff like that. Let's quickly about the uh, young nucleus of the Washington Nationals. I mean, the Nationals are really trying to do, you know, uh, trying to field a good product here in D.C. And they're really, like, uh, you know, doing – they're doing their own good farming. They're, they're, they're bringing in the right players. They're bringing in the – you know, they got that young nucleus there. Um uh, However, I mean, they just haven't been – I mean, they have the ability to write the check, but they haven't cashed it. You know, I mean, I just – it's it's like they like the little engines that could. You know, they think they can, and I, I even think they can, but they just haven't done it yet. I just – I'm not – me personally, I'm just not impressed yet. I'm really not impressed. I mean, the whole city is in love with – Little uh, little Bryce Hopper or whatever, and you know you know how the pundits go out here. Somebody doing somebody doing good. They got to be better than that the team that's over in Ashburn. But it's just <laughs> not. It just it's just not true. It really isn't true. I mean, no matter how much they want it to be and how much they think it's going to be, it's just not true. I mean, but I like. I mean. It's hard not to. It's hard not to like the Nationals. It's really hard not to like them, but it's hard to hate on them. Wait a minute. Let me say that right. Let me say this right. It's hard for me to hate them, right? But they. But it's also it's equally as hard for me to you know jump all in on them because they do just enough in the season and they do well in the season and then. 
come playoff time, they just capitulate. You know, Strasburg, you know, everybody's jumped off of, off of his train right now. You know, but that's how you know that's how the media go out. As long as you winning and doing everything that they that 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 they think that you should be doing, everything is okay. But I don't know. I mean, I'm just like fifty fifty on the Nationals, man. They gonna have to win. Oh. They gonna have to win a championship to sell me for real. Because I'm just okay. like tired of it. I'm just like tired of it. Come on, man. All right. He's tired of well, being. JT. He's tired of being. He's tired of getting built, getting a big build up, and, and being disappointed at the end. Yeah, well, that, man. You know, I, that, mean, like, that, I mean, I mean, that, cause that team, in, that team in Ashburn always breaking my heart. I mean, so I don't have enough space for, you know, added extra. You know what I'm saying? And that 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 goes for that team down there, at Gallery Place too. He's referring to the Wizards and and the Redskins, ladies and gentlemen, along with the Washington Capitals. Um, so that's that's true. It's true. But JT, all, real I mean, quick, I mean, seriously, Victor, all all the you're right outside uh, outside the Burgundy Gold, they act in the same way. The Wizards act in the I, same way that the Nationals act, and so and, and the Capitals too. Same you're way. right. I mean, I, I'm not denying it because there's a lot of hype a lot of youth and they make the playoffs and then there's a sputter for whatever reason. Maybe it's the coach, maybe it's the players. I don't know, but real quick, JT, you're in the New York area. Your team is the Mets real quickly. They're somewhat young, somewhat old. How do you think they're faring? And is there going to be a youth movement there sometime soon? Uh, well, they're trying to infuse a youth movement along with their veteran players. Uh, I think they're trying to tread water until they get some skilled players, some some skilled um, everyday players. They got one of the best, in my opinion, one of the best pitching staffs right now, uh, potential with uh, all the young starters they have um, sitting out there, and even, even even some guys that are on the uh, on the uh, disabled list right now healing up. So if you put all the guys that that uh, they have, they have one hell of a pitching staff uh, from from one game to the next. The problem is that they're only hitting two thirty three as a team. That's the issue. They have they have pro- extreme problems scoring runs. That's the issue. Uh, two if a team scores three or four runs on them, uh, it's almost guaranteed that the Mets are going to lose. Um, the Mets have. Uh, um, uh, one uh, two two runs, three uh, three runs possible, um, and that's game in and again that game out. They have to have good pitching performances in order for them to um, uh, win games. If their pitcher is off, and usually sometimes when the pitcher is off, the, the offense picks up. That doesn't happen with the Mets. Um, they're highly inconsistent. Uh, and especially uh, uh, game in and game out, they don't score runs, and the pitching staff and the whole team quite naturally suffer for it. But uh, the base for most teams is their pitching. If you have good pitching, you have a shot to win each and every game. That is true. That is true. And uh, the Mets are in the same division as the Nationals, so that could be a problem, especially when you have a youth movement in Miami. Now they got – that one, it's amazing 
how one or two players change the fortunes of an entire franchise. They lose Giancarlo Stanton for six weeks. They get Hernandez back, and he starts to pitch well. All of a sudden, the bats start to come alive, you know, and their defense gets better. It's amazing. Uh, but, yeah, there's a big youth movement in baseball, and a lot of, uh, of teens are moving toward watching and possibly playing. But we'll see how that works. I've got about five minutes left of live there. And within that five minutes, we're going to, Jerry and I are going to discuss how uh, wrong we were. And I'll go first. I'll be the bigger man. I'll say this. I was not um, expecting UFC 189 to be as knockout, drag out-ish as it was. There were knockouts, blood, submissions. I mean, it was a bloodbath, especially, and Jerry was right about this, and I also agree that this would be a good fight, too. I didn't think it was going to be as good, but it it was nomination for fight of the year um, between the champion, uh, Robbie Lawler, and Rory McDonald. And Rory McDonald, That's right. he's a tough guy. He was a he's a tough guy. For a real but he w- for a real championship. Be quiet. Be quiet. Be quiet. So he he Roy McDonald is bloody, getting whooped around, and then he takes a round from Lawler. Then he takes uh, he loses another round, and finally at the very end of the I believe fourth round, he gets punched in the nose, and it I felt like that Mortal Kombat X ray where he where Robbie Lawler just crushed his nose and it went up in his in his brain uh and robbie lawler's face was all split and beat up too there are pictures of these guys at the hospital both of their faces are swollen bruised up i mean it was a very good fight literally and told then you Roy McDonald, told you told you okay. that would be a better fight uh, it, it, it ended up being the best fight of the night as well as um, and who told of the and year, who told you? whatever, and who told whatever. But also, also, Conor. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Was that for was that Jerry. for a real championship? Was that for a real championship oh, versus a freaking? It doesn't freaking interim. You ever heard of it? At they least they heard of an interim, hey, an interim championship. Hey, Give me a hey, break. But at least, at least they fight for a title instead of taking it off somebody and giving it to somebody else. But Conor McGregor ends up beating Chad Mendez for the interim uh, Bantamweight title. And it looks like his next opponent will be Frankie Edgar. You know what, Jerry? You're such a rude dude. <laughs> anyway, anyway. So interim championship. Come on, man. It doesn't matter. Can I get this out before we go off the air? Can I get this out? No, no. Whatever. So those two were very good fights. But then you had a comeback. I mean, this guy, his, uh, uh, I forgot his nickname, but he's like out man. And he was in a great matchup with this one guy and he was getting beat. He was getting taken to the ground. All of a sudden, the momentum, he comes out in like the second round, third round and goes off and finishes this guy. And I'm like, oh my God, where did this come from? He was getting thrown around the octagon. I lied to you not, the entire mat from all of the fights was blood red, literally. There were spots of blood all over the mat. Not saying that blood and gore makes a good card or anything like that, but the level but of like combativeness 
No, I'm saying the level of combativeness made it a very entertaining card to me from top to bottom. Mm -hmm. Because even it was it was one or two fights that I could have done without. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, it was outstanding to me the way they fought. You got a minute and a half, JT, real quick. Be contrite. Be contrite. The best fight, like I said, was going to be for a real title fight. And that was oh my the God. Uh, fight between Lawler and McDonald. And you even said yourself, I, I didn't watch the, but I, I, I just imagined that it would be the best fight because they were fighting for a true, real, authentic non-interim but real championship and that turned out to be even your boy victor here said it was going to be a fight for the year it could have been a fight of the year and i can believe that and i called it right here i said watch this fight don't pay attention to the interim and that proved to be right tune in on sunday 10 a.m eastern standard time (laughs) Wide receivers, the top 25 wide receivers in fantasy. 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, where you'll be able to listen to JT, and that's me, break it down in fantasy. Interesting, real quick. That wasn't contrite, and <laughs> you were wrong. That wasn't the only good fight. That's that's what I'm trying to say. But, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank my cousin. Uh, appreciate you uh, and giving us a little bit of information. Uh, check Jerry out tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for the master plan where he's going to go over receivers. Come back to us next Saturday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we're going to go over the NFC West and end our whole conference uh, breakdown and preview. JT, the gauntlet has been thrown out to you to go online and put your uh, prediction in writing and uh, talk about the outcome. Uh, Send me that link. Again, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's a link to go bet. I don't think you want to bet. So I'll leave that alone. You know, it's not something for you to to do anything with. Just bet. So unless you want to bet, did you want to do that? No, I, w- he wants me to put it on, on the spots webs, uh, um, um, website. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you you want to do it? I was gonna do it, but I, I'll send it to you. I'll let you do it. I'll let you. do it. That's not a problem. Too no, easy. You can do it. You can do it. I mean, you have. You can do it. No problem. You can do it. Okay. You know. I mean, you know what I, I said. I just didn't want to. I know what you said, but I don't know for every player. I mean, for every team. I don't remember that crap. I know you talked about my skins losing all the time. You sucker. But anyway, I'm talking about. Uh, I'm talking about. He he's put. Didn't he say put put the uh, Carolina or or the division on? Is that what he was talking about? Yeah, yeah. Put Carolina's record on, uh, which you have them down as. So just send me that, or you can you. I know, but the wins and losses. He wants to know your wins and losses. No problem. I can send him that. I can send you that. Okay. I'll send right. it to you I'll when I send you wide receivers. Too easy. Ladies and gentlemen, go to spotonradios.com. Click on uh, the Fantasy Foxhole. You'll get those predictions right now. Quarterback and tight end. Wide receivers coming soon. You can also click on draftkings.com banners to get in on the fun. First time uh, depositors, 
there's some free stuff for you. Uh, click on those, and there's some other options for you too. With that being said, this is Mr. FSP along with JT and my cousin Macau. Thank you for listening to the show, and we will yeah. see you guys next Saturday. You in the right place, so take a step back before I get all up in your face. I know you got to live, you know I got mine, but there's like 50 other dudes holding on the phone line. Your voice will be heard, sir. Next caller, please. And if I don't concur, we can agree to disagree. We talking fantasy 